to the House of Minds, a podcast experience where we dive into individuals' journeys and mindsets with the intention and potential to bring you keys to unlock and expand your mind into new realities and possibilities, because we can all learn something from everyone. All you must bring is a desire to learn, an open mind, and the trust that the universe is always working for you. What will the House of Minds bring you today? All right, welcome to another episode of House of Minds. My name is Christina Lynn, and I'm the podcast host. And today we'll be speaking with Gonzalo Marquez, all the way from Portugal. Gonzalo is a former soccer player, a certified trainer, and holds a master's degree in integrative clinical psychology with a specialization on sport and exercise psychology, and is currently in the process of obtaining certification as a psychologist. Founder of EWS Efficiently Work Sports, on a mission to assist the mental and emotional aspects of people involved in sports, Gonzalo created the company in response to need of assistance from athletes, coaches, and parents on performance-related topics and mental health issues. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast, Gonzalo. Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation and the interest on this area that we care so much. Yes, my pleasure. And before we dive into all of our uh, conversation today and get into it, I'm just going to start us off with a one to two minute mindfulness practice just to bring us into full presence into the conversation. Mm -hmm. So any listeners out there, um, if you're operating any heavy machinery, please do not close your eyes. Keep your eyes open. If you're listening and able to do so, we'll go ahead and start to soften the eyelids down. If you're in a seated position, maybe bring your feet down to touch the floor. Maybe keep your ankles crossed, seated Indian style. And just start to drop into your body. Use your awareness to bring you fully into your presence. So notice the soles of your feet on the ground or the weight of your hips in your seated position. Bring your awareness up into your spine. Travel all the way up into your shoulders and up through your throat. Moving along to the front of your face, all the way up between your eyebrows and up to the crown of your head. And then draw your awareness back down to the tip of the nose where you'll find your breath. And observe your breath moving in and out of your body. Start to breathe deeper. And smooth your breath out. Maybe even making a little bit of sound with your exhale. Just noticing how your breath is like an ocean wave. The tide coming in. The tide going out. Your breath is a wonderful link to the present moment to being present in any space in your body. Just like our breath, it resembles life in and out, the ebbs and flows. So as we ebb and flow through this conversation, 
Remaining present to our breath to keep us anchored and grounded so that we move intentionally throughout our conversation and allow whatever is present to arise and come forth and benefit whoever needs to hear it today. We'll take one more deep breath all together, filling up lungs, rib cage, belly. Pause at the top of your breath and then let your breath go. Slowly open our eyes and let us begin. All right, well, I would love to start off with knowing a little bit more about your journey, where your interest in sports psychology came about, and what has led you to the point that you're at now. Yeah, sure. Uh, and first of all, Christina, let me thank you for this moment, because uh, I guess many other podcasts would benefit for this anchoring and uh, preparation for the conversation like ours today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just know from a podcast that is called Sports uh, Sport Mindful the Mindful Sports Performance Podcast uh-huh. with Tim Pino. He's a researcher on mindfulness and they do this also. And it's very good. Uh, thank you. Yes, you're very uh, welcome. And, and I have some experience uh, either um, in producing and, and doing some practices of mindfulness. And uh, I, I, I've, I've tried to do some of those as a freelancer, but uh, I will... I, I just focus more on uh, the clinical practice and this EWS project. Yeah. And going for that question of, of yours, uh, uh, my interest comes uh, from that conjunction, uh, from the, my background, academic background on clinical psychologists. I love the world of psychotherapy, uh, integrative psychotherapy, uh, being more eclectic and not focusing solely on a branch there, mm-hmm. like cognitive psychotherapy or cognitive behavior psychotherapy. There's much more than that. Uh, there's several, several ways of conceptualizing a case and being more useful to the patient or client uh, or, or yeah. the person. Uh, so, and with sport, uh, I, I practice sport, as you said in the intro, uh, my formative mm-hmm. years, I did them all in soccer here in Portugal oh. and uh, since like my 14, 15 years old I found that uh, I could benefit much more, uh, I could improve much more my game and of my teammates and being with a better chemistry within the field if we worked upon mental aspects, if we were more prepared to deal with uh, issues that may emerge uh, dealing better with challenge that may emerge. Mm-hmm. And so sports psychology is a, a very cool branch from psychology that athletes, coaches, and, and parents even can benefit from. Uh, it's a context that is pretty rich and can be pretty like problematic in uh, some scenarios that may occur, you know, mm-hmm. from some big stages and the crowds and the pressure. Uh, so it either can go one good way or one bad way uh, from X uh, situation. 
and uh, sports psych is a is a very good uh, complement to to gain from uh, from to play better to be better with ourselves relate better with ourselves and others and prepare ourselves for our future uh, retrieving from some competences that we can gain from there uh, so that's it it started it all started not only by my own practice but also from looking at players reaction uh, for example tennis is a, a big one or golf people often hear that sports like help these uh, elite athletes on these uh, modalities mm -hmm. because they are on their own it's an individual sport and they often may react bad to uh, an unforced error for example and they need like these mental skills and uh, every sort of things to stay better in the presence and be better prepared for the next shot yeah yeah that's so true i love that you I love a lot of the um, aspects that you brought up there. And I think it's very interesting because we, I see a lot of similarities in your path and my path as far as I was also an athlete. And I became very... The gymnastics, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, gymnastics. How did you go about that? So I started gymnastics. I had a good friend that did it. I started when I was young, like five or six, but then I kind of toyed around with other um, other sports as well. I played soccer a little bit, although I wasn't ever very good at it. I think I mainly just played soccer because my brother did. <laughs> but I committed to gymnastics probably around the age of 10, and it really is an individual sport where you're, you have to rely on yourself. You still have the support of the team in the background, but when you're out there on the on the field per se or the floor, you're the only one competing. So similar to golf or, or tennis, um, it, the kind of the pressure relies on you and learning those tools to manage yourself on the field when the, the lights are on on you, then it does build a lot of skills to help in life, which I've reflected a lot on, especially recently, as far as my path um, moving as a from gymnastics, then on to a coach. Um, I always loved the the psychology of it all, and looking at how some athletes can manage the pressure and the stress, and then some break under it. How to help them help help them with that as a coach when you have them off of the, the floor um, through practice and during the, the competition. So that was always an aspect that fascinated me as well. And then even just looking at athletes once they leave the sport, where they go, what happens to them? Um, because I feel like some have been very successful. Like look at Dominique Dawes. Um, she rose and has continued to rise post her gymnastics career. Not saying that we don't all have our struggles. Um, I think that kind of goes into it as well as part of the gymnastics career post because you're in, you're in such a highly competitive state where it really becomes your life and then you kind of have this moment of, well, what do I do afterwards? So even learning those tools 
the psychological tools, the mental tools that you learn during training can help you in those moments after. But it's always been fascinating how some athletes will continue to rise and some won't. So the mental aspects have always um, um, provoked me to want to seek into the the deeper realm that's underneath it all and how to to learn to manage. And I love that you brought up... Yeah, and and, and sorry, just to say, just to mention that those are very important things to, to... to reference because uh, first of all with gymnastics it would it is a very particular sport and we could enter some rants here uh, but trying to make the matters short uh, I guess it's it's a, a very pressure uh, context one because of the precise movements one needs to work upon mm-hmm. and uh, the dealing with uh, getting just a bit misattuned from our body movements, our proprioception getting off, uh, it can cost uh, very several points, right? And yeah. uh, that competition is uh, is, uh, is maybe it can be assumed as heavier than other sports and felt more more intensely. And then the because the it's so costly. <laughs> it's so costly you have to be very intentional with every movement and element yeah and from the rest of it that you've talked about the the skills and the the post-career preparation because i guess more and more nowadays at least here in portugal i see some movements to sensitize these this particular problematic Mm-hmm. Uh, of uh, the post-career uh, career, may we say, mm-hmm. like uh, we 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 as an athlete uh, stop doing uh, what we loved the most and what we were like a hundred percent focused on. Your life, it was your else. life. Yeah. yeah, it's a different life to start from there, and uh, there's several psychological work that can be done, and also education for how one skills from the sports world can be used uh, onwards. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. And just to, to close on that, I guess, uh, bringing some uh, of our purpose with EWS is, is precisely on that, on raising some self-awareness of knowing oneself better, of knowing one, one's reason for practicing a certain sport and the one stands uh, around competition mm-hmm. but not only to these things related to performance enhancements uh, because many times when we hear that the sports psychology uh, psychologist is gonna enter some work with an individual athlete or a team we I get the population often thinks about these tools that we they will gain to better their performance and get more successful and get better results. But EWS pretends to add more of an holistic side, uh, being more attuned to one's life uh, beyond the sports, uh, being more empathic and more responsive to what's at hand. Which is very, very necessary and powerful because when we look at what we really can control, whether it be in the sports, in the game, or out in life, which essentially could be seen as a game as well, 
the only thing that we can ever control is ourselves. So when we give those, we gift those athletes with those tools, then it sets them up for success, not only on the field, but also off, off the field. I wanted to add something, and now it flew my mind, as far as, oh, there's so many questions that came up from what you just said, but specifically with parents, because I think that not only does the work benefit the athletes, but also the parents. So do you have any real life examples that you've seen were in your work with EWS or even apart from that? Because I know as, as a former athlete, you then trained athletes as well. Have you seen instances where it benefits not only the athlete, but the parent and helps them build a better relationship as well? a very good question and, and I'm very sensitive to that one and unfortunately I, I cannot share uh, some story uh, and even if I had some particular story I, I don't know if I would be at ease sharing that okay. because it's a very uh, uh, sensitive one sensitive you know? topic. Uh, but, but anyway it's very sensitive because yeah the, the relationship between a child practicing sport and the parents is very important and uh, so much we can unravel here uh, but yes there's many layers I, and I dynamics you, yeah yeah I don't know if you want to specify some area within there what were you expecting or just some gains in general that may emerge uh, it get that. it was more a general cure question just from curiosity and or even just making the relationship more at ease, agreeable between a parent and uh-huh. a child, good, good. where yeah. maybe a parent understands a child a little bit better, just based on conversations with trainers um, such as you and or coaches, where then they can help their child a little bit better even off of the field. Yeah, that, that, yeah, pretty good. Um, I guess... Like managing stress. How do I start or... to put this? <laughs> managing stress, and, and a very good word that you use there, it's being more on agreement with things that are occurring within the sporting context, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, know, uh, I know many teams, and uh, I, I've met several coaches that were more rigid on getting the parents to stay away from their work and from their practices because the 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 trainings uh, let's say from soccer for example mm-hmm. the context that i'm more most familiar with um a coach could be more rigid and not letting parents know about their practice or asking questions even or they can be very uh, very open and these are two poles that I see both of them extreme and the balance would be for the parents to be present to be interested in a way like supporting the the youngsters and the team but not uh, contesting or shouting out from the crowd in a match for example for something the the child to do and that was a too involved that I 
That's like an extreme of too involved. I like that you said balance. Yeah, too much involved or too less involved. Mm -hmm. Um, It it always depends. And this is maybe the the most used word by psychologists. Um, But yeah, um, I was about to say that at my first soccer club, uh, like when I was 10 years old, one of the things that they emphasized on educating ourselves as players was, and it stick to me throughout all the years in a very good way. Mm-hmm. It was to not listening to the crowds, to what they said during a match and not getting too much involved or asking about opinions to our parents or our uh, other family members because the coaches know what they are doing. We go to, th- to school and our teachers do the the, the workings so on on soccer the coaching modality, the I, I, yeah it, the case would be the same so yeah but trying to to say one more thing on that good relationship on this triangle of athlete coaches and and parents mm-hmm. a good balance there i guess would be and and thinking about the like a psychologist working within a club, uh, some workshops or, or speeches that would go for some parenting styles, some uh, implications of uh, certain behaviors would do to their children. Uh, like doing this sensitization maybe would help to get them on the same page and having a coach, for example, as a good leader that would transmit certain principles and establish them solidly, mm-hmm. parents would follow along. Uh, well, Setting so boundaries. I guess, yeah, yeah. All, of, all of those things and getting more congruent between them all. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, that's a great point, the workshops. Is that something that EWS offers? Uh, not yet, it's a vision long term. Okay. Uh, also for me as a psychologist is if I start to work within a club mm-hmm. uh, to do. Uh, okay. Again, it's a very sensitive uh, topic for me. And within this big topic, there are many, uh, yes. as we in- announced here, some of those. Uh, and yeah, uh, at EWS, I, I, I focused uh, on two interviews on this parenting side with uh, Richard Shorter, the Non-Perfect Dad project from the UK okay. and John O'Sullivan and uh, from from and there's a, a project there also called the Right Home Project where they shared some stories from parents and child uh, and this is specific where, to sports yeah okay. yeah or directed to there and uh, because many times Again, we have to empathize with parents, whether they are in the in the stands, within the crowd, vibrating and leaving the match and supporting their kids. It's it's coming from good intentions, the the majority of the times, but many times the impact, uh, the majority of the times also the impact is detrimental. And uh, with the right home, the same goes with this logic because the parents tries to get involved tries to support the child like with uh, 
with things like, yeah, you, but you did good, the coach uh, make it, made a bad decision, uh, you, and you keep going, and you uh, were good. And many times this is, again, with good intention, but not uh, aligned with what the kid is feeling and what the kid is needing, because yes. that wasn't assessed. And maybe a parent, uh, this is like a deep, a general tip uh, to to give out there uh, although I'm not comfortable on giving tips where the timing may be but um, yeah being more inquisitive more curious and assessing the place where the kid is emotionally and uh, per uh, perceptually of the game that went along and then yeah, have a conversation but not like imposing these motivational or criticizing some things for them to get better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is sometimes, I mean, I'm a parent, so I've seen it in myself and with life, not to go too far into this dynamic because there's other things that I would, I want to ask about EWS and yourself, but just to dive into it a little bit with everything going on around in life, sometimes it can be hard for parents and to have that, um, that reflection to sit and and pause and say, wait, what does my child need? Instead of going with what we've heard ourselves or what we're used to asking them or feeling or just wanting like the short answer to give them something so that we can get back to whatever we need to do. So as parents and even coaches and even athletes, just as human beings, I think learning to sit and pause and be with that pause and wait. What does this moment need right now? What does my child need from me? Versus just going into those quick solutions and or getting attached to what we think they need. It's that pause. So even coaches, that's a big part of training athletes is, oh, let me put myself aside. Let me be present to just what this child or this athlete needs right here in this moment. But and it's that, that, that that's where mine is. Yeah, that, that was perfectly put because many times, again, uh, you, you, you've mentioned coaches and coaches could be on this uh, stance also. Mm -hmm. But uh, talking from parents, many times they are acting out uh, from what they think the kid needs instead of assessing again mm -hmm. really what the kid needs or acting out from a place of what the parent need the most. Yes. And those yes. are complex dynamics and often some subconscious processes going on. Mm -hmm. That would be a long conversation to have. But yeah, you perfectly mentioned those, those things that are very important. Yes. Yeah, and I'd like to thank you. I'd like to highlight the mindfulness and presence. Uh, I know for myself how much that's benefited me. And not only as a parent, but then it extends to everything else in your life. Just like we've mentioned the tools that you work with and implementing um, with coaches and then with athletes to help them manage on the, on the field or within their practice, those mindfulness presence tools can then be taken out into other aspects. So even for parents again, just I learning it. Grabbing from mindfulness, uh, because you are so passionate about it, and not only passionate, we know that they 
that mindfulness is getting more and more scientifically studied and more wow. benefits are arising from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just crossed my mind that, let's see, mindfulness, for a good practice of mindfulness, what elements does it require? I'm thinking about openness, I'm thinking about curiosity, I'm thinking about non-judgment. Mm-hmm. And all these ingredient, ingredients are very good for any sporting context and any environment a coach ideally wants to the team, whether mm-hmm. they be grassroots level kids or more elite levels. Uh, I guess those elements that we can retrieve from mindfulness are very good on providing this optimal environment uh, the, the most possibly for them to grow, not only on their performance again, but on their self-awareness and how they will go better in practice the next moment. Yeah, and it provides connection. It provides the link of connection to both the athlete or the child, but also connection. It Then it teaches the athlete or child how to connect to themselves as well. So it's kind of a double... Double, not double-edged sword, but a dual benefit situation where when you foster that connection, um, it, it nurtures the child. So much that. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for entertaining that little uh, branch with me. Um, with uh, EWS, I wanted to know, are there other companies out there that are similar to EWS? Is it something that's on the rise because again, I think there's so many benefits to the work that you do. And I, I do want to review the um, like the three major areas that you work with, the training self aspect, the social aspect, mental and emotional aspect. Um, but are there other companies that are on the rise that are working on this that you're aware of? Well, uh, I, I didn't have a extraneous... Uh investigation on that Mm -hmm. I guess there would be some Uh, I I hope so uh, because uh, we with EWS the the purpose that we have uh, I want I want that there are more things similar to help and assist athletes coaches and and parents Mm -hmm. I I just came across with some podcasts and some websites blogging uh, posts from some websites uh, that uh, that do this job Uh, the one the ones that I love the most maybe are the most popular on this sports psych area the those are the way of champions from John O'Sullivan I've referenced him uh, just minutes ago and Mm -hmm. from Dan Abrams a Really renowned uh, sports psychologist on the UK, and the podcast is the Sports Psych Show, and they interview the very experienced uh, men and women from the sporting world, not only from sports psychology, mm. but uh, always with this care from a better functioning and a better preparation, and to be compassionate with all the elements human elements and performance elements within each sport. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Growth, because ultimately that's what makes us better human beings, better athletes, (laughs) better everything is when we can seek the growth. How can we be better? Um, Yeah, and and also, uh, 
with with EWS, I I want overall to help these tar these target audience of uh, athletes, coaches, and parents to get more resourceful, mm -hmm. uh, more adequate in their practices within each moment, uh, instead of reacting mindlessly, uh, retrieving back with from mindfulness again. Um, or reacting in ways that don't serve uh, the best interests of the team mm -hmm. uh, and that will uh, often inadvertently not take into account the individual experience and emotions of the athletes uh, the coach in this case the coach is dealing with um, and so retrieving from some principles and things that I share from psychology more mm -hmm. broadly uh, I want to provide this sense of caring and nourishing for the person in a broader way. Uh, so, yeah, and those three areas, I don't know if you want to pick one uh, by one, tell me. Yes, I do. Before, before we get there, uh, one question that popped into my mind, it's learning... <sighs> learning to ride that line of nurturing the individual, but the team as well. And that is something that I had thought of when I was, when we were originally talking in the beginning about gymnastics, where it's still a sport, individual sports, you still want to nurture the athlete as an individual, but it is still a team practice. So learning to do both of those and how, what are some techniques or situations, um, but maybe more tools that ath or coaches can use for instances where it's like, okay, I want to be present to the individual and nurture them. And however, I still want them to think of the team environment. So you have both, you have the, instead of being completely independent and solely focused on themselves and or completely codependent and solely focused on the team, we want to get into that interrelational, interdependent aspect. What are tools that can get so athletes, coaches into, into, or coaches that can nurture athletes into that place? Uh -huh. Well, first of all, uh, you've answered a lot just from those preambles in the question. And uh, a key word is that one that you used of interdependence mm -hmm. because, and, and just as another preamble here, when you say tools, I, I, I am not finding tools to give on this answer. I'm, I'm thinking more about, again, relationship aspects and uh, principles to have to nurture a, an optimal environment. But yeah. before getting there, uh, I guess many times people, uh, coaches or athletes, more, more I guess certain athletes may think of that issue, let's say issue, mm -hmm. as an either or thing, as incompatible, the mm -hmm. team dynamics and the individual growth, uh, whether in individual sports on or on team sports, but let's stick with team sports for purpose of this conversation I guess it's better um, yeah I guess they, it's they from day zero from day zero to start to educate that those two areas go along anytime and every time uh, 
are valid. Mm-hmm. We want to assume that they are there. That one wants to develop himself, work to win a place on the main team and score more goals or assist more, like getting better performance overall. But those things only arise when we work for the team. And this sounds like a cliche, but it's what it is. Uh, I know, and we both know, aside from the cliche that many times, again, from soccer, for example, uh, uh, a forward can use his creativity and skill to get past two defenders and score by himself. But uh, if he is not grounded on the tactics and major principles that the coach instills for the team, Mm -hmm. maybe that individual moment of creativity wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. So I guess the good balance is on valuing both. Uh, Being there for the team and the team by by its own outcome would be there for the individual. So Yeah. yeah, I guess it resolves it all moments and my moment by moment and bit by bit uh, some challenges mm-hmm. may arise some uh, egos may arise and yeah that would be another long conversation but uh, <laughs> yeah trying to sensitize for these elements and you put it brilliantly uh, that concern is is present many times but it's workable yeah. and not to be seen as a an incompatible thing or a thing that would should be best not to be addressed, but uh, yeah, talk about that, try to educate and understand each player and validate their moments of individuality, of creativity, Mm -hmm. but also always remembering the greater good that is the team Yes, and its growth more so than the individual results. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. It, It sounds like fostering a good team environment where hey we're we're all in it together we're all we're all supporting each other individually but also still the common goals of the team to foster it yeah it is all about that interdependent so yeah let's talk about more of the three major areas which i feel like we kind of have already briefed yeah i, I guess so <laughs> I can I can try to be more brief also on each of those. Okay, um, with because the training and the self aspect, I f- I feel like we've already kind of breached on. But what would you add on to that as far as anything that you assess and help work through with coaches and athletes? And again, uh, let's clarify uh, the people that are listening. Uh, EWS uh, just nowadays is just a podcast. In the future, we are uh, thinking about uh, construing some online courses, uh, providing some individual services on sports like sessions or psychotherapy. It's exciting. And so when we talk now today on these three areas, we are just uh, emphasizing to the podcast. So the training and self-aspect, uh, it's just on providing knowledge, uh, educative information for raising self-awareness over one's processes the most possible because it's always a challenge to do it on a uh, 
on a podcast episode because it is single and more often than not it doesn't take into account some idiosyncrasies of some individuals but mm-hmm. overall I guess we are doing a good job uh, separating that uh, and sharing overall the better practices in order to get performance improvements over time uh, and that's part of entering and staying on the path of efficiently work sport EWS so yeah yeah okay um I had a question arise but then so the self-awareness and training training as far as I just would like a little bit more of a definition of that word itself is it training specific to training yourself to manage yourself Uh, within your self-awareness No, it's more like when when we say training and self aspect, it's mm-hmm. more like the person we are during training sessions and okay. during matches. It's more like the athlete persona, like managing and yourself. Recu- yeah, and then recognizing also the psychological processes that are occurring during those moments and off the field, and to manage those the self awareness. Uh, yeah. Yes. Love it. And then the social aspect. Yeah, the social aspect is uh, to nurture healthier environments and the richer development in individuals. And this is was pretty much uh, the, the conversation we are having so far, mm-hmm. but also to, to be able to be more present. And again, it's hard to tell this only from a podcast, but it's our purpose to be on more delicate moments, to combat discouragement and helplessness. And with that, avoid precocious abandonment from sports. And this is also a very sensitive topic from me. And all these by sharing stories and ways to strengthen the relationships. So it sounds like the social aspect as far as uh, um, coming from nurturing and supporting as a team, so building the other individual up and building the team up versus tearing down. So okay. connection, connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because many times the, the, those moments of discouragement uh, and the thought that the rise of abandoning sport often arise not only from bad performances and from lack of a self-confidence, it's also from not being supported enough, not feeling connected again enough with the remainder elements of the team. So getting more team cohesion might help on that and getting more attuned uh, to the reasons for one to be playing there and to play, to be playing one's sports that one chooses, uh, it's always good for getting more cohesion again, yeah. also within oneself. Yes. And as you can start to see, these all interrelate with each other. That's just what I was thinking, because the more you are self-aware and the more you can manage yourself, the more you can help others in those moments and hold that space for them. And then the mental, which we've kind of already touched on as well, <laughs> the mental and it's emotional. Yeah, it's that again that I, I've, I've told, uh, but with, with a particular emphasis and 
here we have little content yet on this side, I guess, uh, again, because it is more delicate, mm -hmm. but to prevent mental illness. And this is also a thing that arises mm -hmm. uh, more often than uh, the general public uh, is aware from elite levels, especially. Uh, and there, there is a, a very good documentary, recent one, from last year, I guess, uh, directed and uh, narrated by Michael Phelps, that mm. is called The Weight of Gold. Uh, if people that are listening just live with one thing to do, uh, or in their minds, it would be to watch this documentary. It's very good. Okay. I'm sensitizing to all these aspects. Yeah, I wrote that down. I'll have to watch that. The And as far as the... Because we know that emotions and our mental processes can interlink together and work together to then produce reaction or behavior. So again, going back to the self aspect and self-awareness and the more, and th that's the thing too, coaches aren't psychologists, right? Um, they don't <laughs> have time to really be psychologists as well as manage um, the team and all the dynamics. So I, I feel like coaches can do some things and grow um, to foster self-awareness of the individual. However, it's that delicate balance of knowing when to refer outside because then it becomes detrimental to the team. We still want to respect that balance, that, that uh, innate balance of working for the team versus just going into the individuality and focusing solely on the independent. But uh, I, organizing my thoughts, I wanted to say something about balance and the mental illness aspect is when you become so consumed with the sport, again, the weight of gold, mm -hmm. that's like a little literal consumption and burden that you're carrying when you become so obsessed so it's still important for athletes to have a sense of I have balance and other things in my life versus a complete consumption into the sport as well and do you feel like uh not I want to say responsibility but not really responsibility but in a sense when coaches see that that there's something that they can point out, maybe have an ongoing conversation with the parent of, hey, I see this. It might be a good idea for your child to kind of ex explore other um, avenues and or find a little bit more balance in their life. Yeah, the more a coach is humanistic and sensible to mm. those particular delicate things that may arise that would be unfortunate for a player to be with during a match because by playing, especially for youngsters, we want them to have fun and uh, for, for the sport to take a role on, uh, on a, a broader development of them as a person. And so the more sensible, yeah, the, the, the better because uh, they can refer 
in a delicate, appropriate way uh, to the other avenues that you were talking about. I don't know if you had some particular ideas on that, but sorry, just before you mentioned those, yeah. um, I was also I do. thinking about, <laughs> the, I was also thinking about the, uh, another balance when you talked about balance again there, uh, which is to reserve a space for youngsters that are already competing and I guess also for elite levels but this depends on many other things within each modality but to reserve some autonomy for each player when what I mean by this is to not be a coach that just instills and imposes tactics and orders to do this and that like authoritarian too much authoritarian Mm-hmm. So, to reserve this space to, again, to reserve some creativity to arise, to reserve some critical thinking, to reserve some exploration and debates around some tactics. And again, uh, this is sensible. I don't. I am not advising all athletes in all circumstances to uh, contest and debate the decisions of a coach, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, yeah, to give that space and respect for the athletes, because if not, I guess too much stress comes in and then these mental issues might arise that are more heavy. Uh, Well put. Leave room for individuality. Yeah. 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 I find it, I think my own personal opinion, this is my own personal opinion, (laughs) Uh, I would believe it would be beneficial for some types of programs to arise, not even just for athletes, but in general, even incorporating it as part of middle or high school curriculum, where we learn more information on emotions, how to process your emotions, not only on the field, but in any particular instance in life. Um, because emotions are such a big, can be, can be, not all the time, that's not black and white, but they can be a big determinant of behavior. So the more individuals can learn to manage their emotions, whether it be in a sports setting, in a school setting, anywhere, the more successful they're going to be at both managing themselves and then bringing forth their best selves in that team and supporting that team environment. So that would would be my thoughts for (laughs) workshops or trainings or um, any of those. Uh, And again, from, from, I guess, the more a coach has that education through his formation for being a coach, right? Not only being with the technical and tactical aspects of his his or her modality, uh, the more work is done through there, through mm-hmm. psychology, uh, using this bigger term, the better for managing any issue that may arise and managing in a way that is more, again, inquisitive, more explorative, and not only to impose a solution and going after it with his own ideas, because then you can be more resourceful again and uh, and discerning from what is a real uh, like bigger issue or just a normal or natural process mm-hmm. 
of a youngster that is occurring, for example, a dev developmental challenge that is normal to occur. Mm -hmm. uh, and to tackle that more harshly would not be a, a sensi sensible thing to do. Good so, point. Yeah. Very good point. It sounds like learning to use your brain both both the right and the left side, so not only being logical and technical and going far into the the alignment or I'm trying or to put my do words. Do you I see what I'm saying? I, yeah, well, yeah. being in a position of just do what I say, just perform this way. Yeah, so I want you to be better, but then not having some empathy or respect yes. for what the person is going on, the athlete, so. So be both logical and emotional and use both of those together interdependently. And it also sounds like, because we're learning more, more and more about the mental mindset and emotions and how they interrelate. And it's changing a lot in fields and in the way that we coach or in the way that we show up. So having patience with that as itself, because it's, it can be a lot of unlearning for some coaches, for people. And in that process of unlearning, it takes time. So having the foresight in those moments, again, the self-awareness of the more we can just become as individuals more self-aware. It's, it's being the change that we seek it has to start with us. Then the more we can remember to have that patience and not lean so much on the logical or the way things should be or the way we need it to be and remember to lean back into, oh, no, let's go back to the creative side, the emotional side, the curious side. So it's kind of catching What's going ourselves. On that is uh, helping my performance or what is impairing my performance emotionally mm -hmm. and with our thought processes. Yes. And you were using, sorry to interrupt, but That's you okay. got me rolling with this. I got ex more excited. <laughs> you used some love key it. words there. And I would love that all that you were saying there, I imagine that like an ideal for any sport to have, mm -hmm. uh, to have this ability to recognize our processes better, not only to perform better and to serve the team better, but to be better in life overall. Yeah. And uh, I was reminding myself of my favorite sport. I would take, I will take the cue for us to branch from, for, from there to this marvelous sport, yes. which is called Preskovol. I know you were familiar with that mm -hmm. uh, by not knowing the name and for our listeners that don't know also Preskovol is the known uh, beach rackets and it's the only sport in the world that is played with a partner on the other side and not the uh, not an opponent to defeat so the the pair mm. plays collaboratively and the main goal is to put a rubber ball back and forth between us uh, the best possible the most fast possible doing new stuff uh, to get them the game more enthusiastic mm -hmm. more um, interesting yeah uh, <laughs> athletic and many things that i find interest interesting in here uh, but it crossed my mind fresh all in this that you were saying because what i one of the things that i love most when starting to play with a new person uh, that is uh, meeting the 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 sports for the first time or the first times is watching and participating 
on the progress of this certain player, or better I'd say, of the person playing Fresco Ball, because this can be seen as a broader activity. Again, we are not there to defeat each other, we are there to play collaboratively, so this is to recognize their best moves, to, uh, to insert, to send the ball for a most optimal place. Mm -hmm. we, we can see uh, how the person reacts when playing, uh, how they react when failing, or when the person hits a good shot or a better than usual one. And so I enjoy very much assisting to that process of mm -hmm. learning and development. And uh, again, this is very much transposable from what you were saying, because mm -hmm. I've said learning and development, and to learn and develop the best on Fresco Ball, I, I have plenty of experience in this sport, and I guess it's not that much on the technical moves per se. For sure, there are some moves to perfect and correct from moment to moment, but to be attuned to our emotions during the play, mm -hmm. to not get ashamed, to not get fear of failure, to have the other person, uh, let's say in this case me, uh, I, many times I encounter people that start to play poorly or start to get demoralized and want to stop to play because they are seeing they are sending the ball to the ground many times and I am catching those. Uh, but it's fine by me, it's part of the process. And the moment they get more at ease with failing and recognizing what is going on and getting more, in a certain sense, cold, right? To, to feel uh, what is going on just technically and not getting too much engulfed in the emotional uh, up. stuff that is going on and it is being influencing uh, in a bad way the performance, the better. And uh, I love to assist on that. I love to recognize what is going on and mm -hmm. help and to see the growth at each moment uh, is awesome because at each shot, one can be winning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's so many ways you can win. That speaks of uh, collaboration and very akin to getting in the flow when you can get out of your head and just completely into your body. And it's that state of flow and presence where you're not getting caught up in, oh, this happened or this. You're just there and going with it. Um, I don't know how could I miss that keyword on this rent of mine, but I love that you... <laughs> Sense that as a, the main thing there. It's I great. It. It's great collaboration. <laughs> but right here, we, we haven't played yet. But when you come to Portugal, uh, we'll do it, and then we we will connect better and evolve better, more fast. <laughs> and both be in our inner flow states, because <laughs> that's where the magic happens. Hopefully, hopefully. but it's not easy. <laughs> it's only as hard as you make it. Tell me more about the metaphors because you have your own Instagram page where you focus on fresco ball. And I know you've mentioned that you like to play on the metaphors that you'll see from fresco ball and the metaphors that translate into life, which is actually something that I love to do with yoga. So tell me a little bit more about that um, and some of your favorite metaphors. Mm. 
Metaphors from Pereshkovov. Yes. Oh, love it. Uh, I, I will I will say two. Okay. Uh, the first one is a shorter one, and I guess it's not that much of a metaphor, but it is, it is a good element to retrieve from there. It which is when a person fails two or three times on a backhand move shot to devolve the ball to send the ball back to me oftentimes it uh, there's a human tendency to personalize that error and feel like we are not adequate we are not uh, made to play that game uh, as we wish as we see the other pros doing and as we wished so much and so I should give up just now because this is a problem of mine and not at all that's never the case mm -hmm. well I will not say never because if one tries and tries and tries and tries and tries all that there is and still is not finding the the correct move or the pleasure on playing okay uh, the, the player this person may, may give it give up no problem with that. And something but, else might yeah, be better for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just transitioning from this personalization and thinking that there's nothing else to do to a more growth mindset of finding ways to correct mm -hmm. is the best road to take. And just telling this is not sufficient to promote this transition that I'm talking here, but to assist on word of encouragement of rationalization and on focusing again on the technical moves um, it's the best way to go and i love to assist that happening again and related to this one to this one process of getting better on this backhand move of hitting the ball mm -hmm. there's a beautiful one that comes from marcus aurelius uh, his masterpiece on uh, I, don't, I can't remember the name. It was it was a, a marble masterpiece that he did of a of a certain hero. Okay. And this masterpiece is construed by chipping away a big piece of marble. And so this is a an idea and general idea that is coming more and more to me on this area of sports, which is to focus more on subtracting instead of adding because again with an, an experience that's player, powerful chiseling away <laughs> with an inexperienced player let's say starting to play fresh cobalt this person may start to think oh but i'm starting from zero i have so much to learn i have so much technical moves to add to my repertoire but more often than not you have what it takes there and we just need to chip away like Marcus Aurelius did with the piece of marble to mm -hmm. create those, that marvelous uh, statue. Mm -hmm. And it was the case for me. It was like experiment, seeing the things that were more incorrect and getting rid of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, I guess, takes a burden out of athletes on some learning processes. Uh, and again, just to mention as a side note on this metaphor, 
Marcus Aurelius, uh, the decision of making this uh, figure mm-hmm. of the hero was not pertaining to a, an heroic an, an heroic move. You know, it was not pertaining to the moment the hero defeated a dragon or something. It was the purpose was to show the moment of decision to go for it. Ooh, and so that's so powerful. Many times the most heroic move on Freshkoval or any other sport is to take that step, that leap, uh, that leap of confidence and mm-hmm. try again. Do it. Not just you in sports. You will get better with time. Again. Yeah. yeah. Not just in sports, life. To add on to that metaphor, not only are you start with this, like you said, you start with a big rock and you chip away. Not only are you chipping away physically, but also mentally and chiseling it down (laughs) to exactly those processes that work to make the athlete the best version of themselves that they can then bring. And it's the same thing in life um, off of the field. You take that off of the field you take that best version and those tools and what you've learned and you keep trying again in life as well. And it's that's the process. You just keep going. I, I, love, I, love, I love that you are heading uh, to what, what I say and getting what I say much better. I, I find myself as insufficient in my answers, but I'm not... I'm not feeling bad or self-critical in, in this, with this. I appreciate that much. And just made me remind of another thing that we can retrieve from Freshkoval, which mm-hmm. is, again, by playing with a more inexperienced player. The inexperienced player might think, oh, but you're playing with me and we are not, you are not taking that much of a pleasure. You, it's a burden for you. Uh, but no. Uh, okay, you might feel insufficient but you can add anyway to the experience of the other person so i love this interplay of words and addings that we are doing here on these ideas yeah and again another one that came to my mind as you were speaking in that process of chipping away Mm -hmm. um, it is that as with anything again uh, the chipping away is not made on perfect conditions. We cannot imagine Marcus Aurelius on on his time doing that on a super controlled studio with no rain and no wind. And he did that amazing masterpiece with those conditions. And this is the metaphor here is to the adversity that may emerge on some challenges in Freshkoval or some challenges in other areas of life and to face them and embrace them and assuming them as part of the process and validating that they are there, that they can be of good use for our growth is a good precondition to have and not a thing to be seen as an obstacle that is there and we should divert or get away from no mm-hmm. yeah it's there and it can be of a good use it's perspective how you uh how you look at things and how you choose to look at things is this here for me or is this here against me it's the two different yeah. different mental states and also to, to continue to add on to that 
um, he, Marcus Arias probably stepped away from the sculpture and then came back to it and then stepped away and then came back to it. So that's a beautiful analogy as well as what happens on the field in life where it's okay to step away and then come back to it. And it's an ongoing process to to build and merge into that sculpture and or guess what that sculpture might merge into something else as well <laughs> as you know, what? you know what i have a personal experience very recent one again on Frescobol, which is with the pandemic uh, i wasn't able to play weekly as i used to mm. and so i got off like two or three months and when i came back the first or second day i was playing at the same level or better than before so this much pertains to what you were saying on, on, two, on two ways, I guess. I don't know. Tell me if you were thinking about these two. But on one, on one hand, to step away, to rest. Mm -hmm. And on another hand, to step away. And um, even if you are feeling doubt and other alternatives or like sending that big piece of marble away and start a new one, maybe you can do something creative with that and with this stepping off our mind gets more clearer gets with more space to get with some alternatives and solutions that can be good and again with fresh cobble or anything else if we are just obsessed and insisting trying trying again repeating repeating and not getting somewhere mm -hmm. through a large period of time maybe the stepping back is a, an advisable thing and not something to worry about to, to embrace it um, because it brings about the rest and the reflection. And that comes about in my mind of, I think it was Albert Einstein who said the same thinking that created your problems will not create your solution. So as humans, we can, especially in the society that we live in now, we can get so focused on production and being productive and then see rest as a bad thing. Um, when actually, and it goes back to balance, you need both in life to be in that balanced state, mind, body, soul. So learning that it's okay for me to not be productive all the time. I don't have to be on this 100% drive or ambitious state all the time. Actually learning to embrace rest and reflection and getting out of that thinking state and back into more creative processes and enjoying life that's from that place that we can then move forward and we'll intuitively know the answer because we're spending time connecting with ourselves versus so much time um Getting with the external with the pro yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, it's a good metaphor just to close on that and i know we are short on time already but uh Again, to add on everything that we are saying here on stepping away and taking a rest or organizing ideas. First of all, we are sharing these things like in a motivational way, but we should not forget that this is pretty counterintuitive to a person on a moment where the person just feels that insisting, trying a little bit more, being obsessed is the best route, the best way to go, because stepping away would mean giving up or... Well, you have to let go of control. Yeah, to get better results. But the point I'm trying to make is that often 
it's hard to believe that stepping away would be beneficial. And so it takes trust. All that we are saying is in those moments, I, I, I admit, I don't know if you are with the same opinion, but I, I would admit that the person needs to take a leap of faith and step away. Uh, but again, retrieving from that beautiful quote from Einstein, Mm -hmm. if you are just insisting there with the same thought processes that and you are extenuating yourself you are you have not more mind space to create something that would resolve the problem whatever it may be on sports on it or anything else and so stepping away would be good to clarify it and uh just adding on those many times, I guess those pressures and you are talking about productivity nowadays, mm -hmm. I guess that what goes pretty much along with that is the comparisons and mm -hmm. the, the standards that are imposed to be achieved and to be of value just only when we achieve those standards. And I'm much more interested and EWS is much more interested in selling this idea of self-mastery of comparing yourself just to yourself mm. i know from several scenarios in sport that we should uh, or need to have uh, other standards uh, focused on result mm. uh, but they can productivity there. yeah there's there's a, a a model on psychology of uh, achievement goal orientation mm. which uh, tells about these two ways of going about goals, which is to be more uh, mastery oriented or performance oriented and the performance oriented contains these comparison things and to be uh, positioning yourself in, in relation to external standards. And so overall, the research says that being with a mastery orientation is healthier mm -hmm. uh, in persistence, in problem solving in being with the right amounts of stress and not too much amount of stress that would create the stuckness, you know? And so being that self-mastery uh, self orientated and these don't need to signify to be a super hard worker or obsessed to become the best in whatever learning or development process uh, throughout the skill we can be with this orientation and from moment to moment from each gain that you have comparing yourself to the previous time to yourself to your yesterday's performances congratulate yourself because you deserve these little personal wins would mean much more from a win in relation to another person's performance because that would be silly to just be comparing your value and success in relation to that because mm -hmm. they are in their own processes you are in your own process and so these enhancements that occur within your own practices uh, are much better than to comparing to these strict defined standards elsewhere that don't make that much sense uh, to be with yeah, good point. Yeah. Stay in your lane, control only what you can control yourself, and have patience with the process. Boom. Another keyword that I missed, but I love that you inserted that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Good teamwork. 
Well, thank you so much, Gonzalo. I really enjoyed our, our episode, the content. I think it brings a lot of value to listeners and not only uh, athletes or coaches or for the process on the field, but life itself. And that's the beautiful thing with the sports world and immersing yourself as an athlete and not only as an athlete because you could find this as an artist or other processes, but learning transferable skills that you can then use off of that field and integrate into your life in many different aspects. So I appreciate your time um, and let me know if you ever want to do another episode because there's so many other avenues we could explore. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the House of Minds. Cheers to mind expansion.